As you've probably heard by now, Time's 2023 Person of the Year is Taylor Swift. If you don't know who Taylor Swift is, well, I can't help you with that. But I can help you take an inside look at this year's person, how the issue came together, and how Time identifies its Person of the Year. In this special bonus episode, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Time's Editor-in-Chief Sam Jacobs and our Senior Executive Editor Kelly Conniff. They'll take us behind the scenes of how the choice was made and why it's so unusual. I'm Charlotte Alter, and this is Person of the Week of the Year. So Sam and Kelly, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, Can you just start by telling us how this process worked and why Taylor Swift is the Person of the Year? Who do you want to start? I want you to start, Sam. Okay, well, uh, first time caller, long time (laughs) listener. Thank you for having us here. We are so excited to share the news. Um, Kelly is an expert on person of the year history, so she can jump in and tell me where I'm getting this wrong. But if you want to go back to the beginning of the franchise, it started in 1927. Is that right? That's right. So it's almost as old as time, which started in 1923. First person of the year was Charles Lindbergh. The legend at time goes that the editors made a mistake and forgot to put him on the cover that year. And so they made up for it by creating what was known until 1999 as Man of the Year. And so we've done this 95 times. Person of the Year is the person or occasionally group that has had the most influence over the last 12 months. The person who's shaped the headlines for good or for ill. Kelly and I have spent a lot of the last year debating who the person of the year should be. There are years when it's really obvious. There are years when it's really hard. In September, Kelly runs this amazing meeting where we get together with our colleagues and everyone debates, argues, cajoles each other into making the right choice. People feel really passionate about it. People are really certain about when everyone else is wrong. Uh, They are really certain when they're right. There are some people who are really proud of the fact they've never actually gotten their choice through, but we argue about it. And then Kelly and I get together with a small group of editors and we decide who are the likeliest candidates. And then we build reporting teams around a bunch of different options. The news changes, right? Example that we always cite uh, is 2017. The whole Newsroom gets together in September. We decide who a person of year is going to be. And then middle end of October, Harvey Weinstein's story drops and the entire shape of the year shifts. And we have to come up with, you know, a, a completely different set of stories that are going to represent what happens. This year was a difficult year, too, to make that decision. But ultimately, sometime this fall, it felt like the momentum was moving in one direction. And that was the one and only Taylor Allison Swift. Can we go back to the meeting for a second? Yeah. Because I feel like the meeting for me was like really a turning point. And it sounds like a cliche to say that because like, of course it would be. But like Sam said, a lot of times you get a good sense, like especially if you've worked here for a few years, like something major will happen and like you'll look at each other midway through the year and be like, aha, like we got to remember this, right? Like, you know, this is going to be a big thing. Yeah. Everybody pitches me ahead of time. Like I get all these emails of everybody making these big cases. Sometimes it's a joke. Sometimes it's really passionate. 
And people pitched her kind of as the entertainer of the year. We've done Olivia Rodrigo, Black Pink last year, uh, Lizzo. Like, these are often people who kind of emerge out of a year. They have a massive song, they have a massive movie, and they just cover everything. Right. And, you know, half the meeting is like people having fun, people grandstand, people make these passionate pitches. People are definitely trying to, like, make each other laugh. They're trying to inspire each other. But I had a moment this year in that meeting where, like, I looked at the doc where I keep everything, and it was just, like, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, which is a sign. And it was so interesting because Taylor Swift has been around for a while, right? She's had other big years. She's had huge songs. She's been in movies. She's been out there. And everybody kind of just started looking at each other and was like, what if she wasn't the entertainer? And I had that kind of spidey sense moment again. And Sam, I remember coming into your office right after and I was like, what do you think? And we discussed it every day for probably three months after that. Is that fair? Yep. And here we are discussing it again. (laughs) So one of the things that I remember about that meeting that struck me is that people are often pitching things like in their wheelhouse, like politics people pitch politics and people who cover business pitch business people. And it's often very consistent with what somebody covers. And I remember thinking, wow, People who don't cover culture or music at all are arguing for Taylor Swift as person of the year. Like that is a little bit of an unusual shift. Sam, this is your first person of the year as editor in chief. And Kelly, this is the first person of the year that you've overseen as senior executive editor. I'm wondering how did this process differ for both of you from past year's experience? Uh, Much more stressful. (laughs) More fear. I think it's it's interesting, you know, from a, an internal perspective, the choice means a lot to people at Time. So we have hundreds of people that work at Time. It is amazingly after now in its 10th decade, this moment when the world stops and makes a judgment. And it is the moment when, as a magazine, we become top of mind for the planet. For some people, that's just five seconds and they look at the choice and they go, great. And for some people, it is that moment when time puts its stamp on the year. And this is our opportunity to decide what type of stamp that is. It's amazing that people still, after all these years, engage with it, argue with it. You see newspaper columnists who are campaigning ahead of the selection about who they think it should be. Our inboxes and Twitter feeds fill up. I start every cocktail party conversation in the fall just asking people who they think person of the year should be. So for me, working through that experience, Kelly and I've worked together for more than a decade, so get to do this together this year was awesome. But the amount of anxiety that you have over the course of the fall as the news changes, and also as the characters who we were following, their stories change. That is a, a bit of a roller coaster to experience and hope that you come out at the other side. It's the type of conversation that people really want to engage in, have really strong feelings about, and who we choose matters. And in this case, in this year, Kelly and I and the rest of the staff at Time are making a particular argument about what power looks like, what influence looks like, what values are important in society, what success looks like. All of those things come through the story of Taylor Swift. And one of the things that's exciting about being at Time is both being reverential and respectful of our history and our legacy, but also using that as an opportunity to be creative and to tell new stories and to place those stories in context with their history. So to say we think Taylor Swift belongs in the same conversation as everyone who preceded her with this recognition, I think is really important. Yeah. 
One of the first cover stories that I edited was a story about Taylor Swift in 2014. And it came out the same week that Business Week also did a cover on Taylor Swift. Our story was much better. But the point is that today we're placing her in this larger context about what her influence means. And so getting to do that is a lot of fun and a real privilege. And and also just getting to bring the photography and the reporting that we do that comes with it um, is super exciting. So Sam, you mentioned that part of what Person of the Year does is basically makes an argument for why they belong in this pantheon of all of these other people of the year. Kelly, can you take me a little bit inside why Taylor Swift is the person this year? What was so important? about her. Why was she such a phenomenon this year? I think it's a bunch of different things. We have a great line in our story that was written by a wonderful writer named Sam Lansky, who has written about her in the past, where he said, talking about Taylor Swift this year was like talking about politics or the weather. And I think that just really encapsulates it. Look, a lot of people don't like to admit that they follow pop culture or they like to make fun of it. But name me a person this year who did not interact with her, whether they went to her concert, maybe they bought a ticket to her movie, they clicked on a headline about her, they saw her in a box at an NFL game, they debated the merits of her music, all of these different things. And I think beyond that, you know, anytime someone would kind of say like, hey, you guys should do Taylor Swift, I'd say, you know, what does she mean to you? And people have different answers, of course, because people have different relationships with art, right? That's part of what makes art so powerful. But they all had something in common, which is that she makes people feel things. Hmm. You know, she writes about her experiences. That's something that her fans really love and value. But she also writes in a really kind of general, relatable way. And if you're a person who's had their heart broken, struggled in any aspect of your life, she probably has a song for you. And she has this really devoted base of fans who have grown up with her, right? She's been popular for years and years, nearly two decades. There are Swifties out there in every walk of life. One of my personal favorites is Paul Schrader, who's, you know, a director in his 70s. He famously wrote the movie Taxi Driver, is the diehard Swifty of the universe. (laughs) He has gone to see her. He writes about her movies. He has these great Facebook updates where he talked about how she just brings light into the world. Hmm. And I thought that was such an incredible idea, especially right now when there's a lot of darkness. And it's not to say that we shouldn't talk about the darkness and identify the people and the leaders in that zone, but it also means that we need to look toward the light. And I think a lot of what she's done in her music and kind of the world building, the larger storytelling that she does, she really encourages people to look within themselves. And she also lets people be seen. That's so interesting. And it takes me to my next question, which is going back to something that Sam referenced a little while ago, which is how person of the year is also often an argument about power and influence and what influence means in that particular year. And as I look back towards all the previous people of the year, I can't help but notice that cultural figures tend to have been underrepresented. It tends to more often go to a world leader, a U.S. president, a scientist, a CEO. Why was it so important to recognize cultural impact this year? I think this is about what works in society. Hmm. And I think this year we've seen the costs and limits of hard power from two wars in Europe to a seriously dysfunctional U.S. government to a presidential campaign that I think is leaving many people feeling on edge. We're seeing in these standard places of power a lot of things that are broken. What we see in her is someone whose achievements, I mean, one of the things we write about in this issue is, is is there was almost a competition this year to find new ways to describe her success. And her success was one that transcended her own arena in such a way that, you know, to use Sam's phrase, that 
She was like the weather. I mean, she was just omnipresent in our world and in our lives. And to see someone do that through building a universe of creativity, I think is a singular achievement. I think about who her predecessors are, and there are a lot of world builders, right? A lot of people who are really disruptive. Zuckerberg, Bezos, Musk. These are people who transform our lives through innovation, through building businesses, through the accumulation of capital. And our lives are left completely different through their inventions. And I think we're making an argument that culture plays a similar role in our lives. And in fact, that the purpose of hard power is to create a space where this sort of soft power can exist. Hmm. That, that the whole reason why we respect, you know, 14 U.S. presidents, five leaders of Russia or the Soviet Union, three popes. These are the people who we see as person of the year. And I've spent the entire fall with the person of the year Wikipedia page open on my computer, just looking at the faces. Who are the people who sit on those covers? Who do we look at and what have they done? And the whole point, the whole purpose of organizing governments and building businesses was ultimately to create a space for humanity. And the most creative, most exciting, most unifying space for humanity that we saw this year was created by Taylor Swift. And so I think we have to think about culture as one of our major accomplishments. And in a time when people lose trust in these institutions, when it doesn't feel like a lot of business or government is working, here is someone who rolls up into town and builds a Super Bowl every night wherever she goes, someone who's transcending borders, and someone who's doing it through her own story. And seeing that happen is just a phenomenon that I don't think we've seen before, and I, and I don't know if we'll ever see again. I was thinking about it, Sam, when you were mentioning you know Zuckerberg and Musk and all of these big tech figures. If you look throughout her history, she has gone up against Tim Cook. She's gone up against Daniel Ek. She's gone up against record executives, the music industry, and there's not actually a lot of people in culture who do that. There are people who say things. There's not always people who make things happen. Kelly, how do you think this choice plays into a larger conversation about kind of the importance of of culture? As somebody who has covered and edited a lot of Time's cultural coverage for years. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I was the culture editor at Time for years. Best job I've ever had. No, no offense, Sam, I like my job now too. But it's a wonderful job because it allows you to see what people really, really care about. And, you know, you see all the time when we put certain people, certain groups on the cover, it signifies a level of importance, right? And when you do that with culture, not only do the figures that you're covering feel that way, but it signifies to the larger generations like what's happening. And with something like Taylor Swift, I think she's been on our cover. This will be her fourth time. Yes, fourth, fifth, and um, sixth if you count all three. That's right. If, 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 you're, if you're collecting all the covers, which I hope you do. Um we don't do that very often with culture. There certainly have been people over the years who have been on the cover more than once. And I would say that crosses every genre, but that to me just shows kind of the general impact. But look, I don't know a person who isn't obsessed with culture. Like name me a person who like doesn't watch TV, right? right? Like I know those people exist, but I really think that that's how we relate to each other. Mm -hmm. It's how we understand each other. I think what's happened in the last few years with like the true globalization of culture has been fascinating too. How many more shows do people watch that are not in their native language now? The reason we do that is because of companies like Netflix. Um, Netflix, the streamers, the Hollywood studios, they also arguably broke culture in the last year. Mm. And you saw that this fall when Hollywood kind of ground to a standstill. 
Taylor Swift kept going during that period. And in fact, when she decided she was going to make a concert movie, she bypassed the studios, she bypassed the streamers, and she did it herself. Yeah. Which is something that she's done time and time again. And I think that's just one of many examples of the importance of culture and the importance, I think, of personality within culture. So obviously, you know, Taylor Swift has this enormous fan base of Swifties, but she also has haters. And there are plenty of people who are kind of baffled by the Taylor Swift phenomenon and who don't go to her concerts, who don't listen to her music. How has she impacted even the people who aren't her fans? I mean, look, you know, I think part of it is is the true inevitability of her this year, that even if you were trying to avoid her, you could not. You may not like her music, but I bet you were in line at CVS and you heard Antihero and probably hummed along whether you liked it or not. That's totally true. I mean, that's culture, right? And I would relate it a little back to history. Like, there has rarely been people like her, but there have been a few. There were plenty of people who didn't like Elvis Presley. Plenty of people who didn't like the Beatles. People who didn't like Madonna. People who didn't like Michael Jackson. You know, years and years later, decades later for some of these people, I think it's hard to argue with their influence, their impact even though some people didn't like them. Yeah. I think it's also hard to be indifferent. Mm-hmm. If the person of the year you don't have a reaction to, then I think in some ways we're not doing our jobs or making our selection correctly. And so I think there may be people who aren't enormous fans, but they have an opinion. Hmm. Like she had a presence at football games. And as Sam writes in his story, I mean, she made the most popular thing in America more popular. And I think that that's what you expect from the person of the year. They're people who make you have an opinion. Yeah. So in nearly 100 years of Person of the Year, there have only been five other instances of the choice being an individual woman. And she's also one of very, very few people of the year who have been born in the last 50 years. How do those two things play into the choice here? How does Taylor Swift fit into the broader history of what it means to be Person of the Year? I think it reveals the biases of the people who have made this selection over the century. And and I've been part of that group too. I mean, we all bring with us certain perceptions of what power and influence look like. There's a generational shift happening. She's 33 years old. In the last 50 years, only four people who have been named individual person of the year have been born since 1973. It's Taylor, Greta, Zelensky, Zuckerberg. That's it. Everyone else has been born prior to 50 years ago to achieve the type of power and influence that is required to receive this recognition, you often have to work your entire life. I think there are moments in which we're more comfortable recognizing the upstart, and those are in certain realms like technology, where we're familiar with the idea that a 24-year-old, typically man, can reshape the world through Facebook or through whatever his invention or his company is doing. You know, I think it's interesting because Swift herself, on the one hand, we look at her as a 33-year-old, and that makes her very young in the history of this franchise. Within her industry and within her career, she's on her second decade, Kelly. I mean, when, how old was she when her first album came out? Um, 15, 16. I mean, look, she's 17 years into her career. Yeah, this is a veteran. I mean, this is someone who's been doing this a really long time, someone whose career we've been watching. Her first interview with Time was in 2009. Uh, You can watch it on YouTube, 18, 19 years old, talking about her favorite bands and what she thinks about missing college and that she doesn't want to pass up this touring experience. This is someone who is way into her career, even if only the beginning of her life. I think it's amazing for us to think about this generational shift that's happening in culture, but I think it's happening everywhere. 
Kelly, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, I I think just to piggyback on Sam's point about the length of her career, and you know, look, I've spent the last few months reading every profile of her that's existed. And it's incredible to me how many pieces going back the last 10 years or so describe her as the biggest entertainer in the world. Hmm. That's been a mantle that she's had for nearly a decade. So it's incredible to think about longevity, which is not something that the entertainment industry usually rewards. So the fact that she's been able to do this and not only do this, but kind of maintain her position is incredible. Part of that, and we talk about this a lot in the story, is that she's gone back and re-recorded her albums. Of course, there's a whole backstory there. But the ability to make albums that came out years ago and all came out at number one, tons of hit singles, sold millions of copies, come out again and often do better on the second time around is really just an incredible fact. One other detail that didn't make it into the story, but I thought about it a bunch, you know, she had an album called Lover that came out in 2019, kind of right before the pandemic. And the promotion of it was a little truncated, of course, as, you know, life really changed in 2020. And she had this song, Cruel Summer, that was a great song, never really became a single. This year, it's one of the first songs on her tour. And the sheer force of her fan base caused this single to go number one four years later. Wow. This, like, doesn't happen in the music industry. It's also kind of this wonderful rejoinder to a music industry that has long made decisions for you. Hmm. This is democracy in action. People are choosing what actually is entertaining them and making them feel good. It's not some dude in a record label office in L.A. or New York saying this will be the song of the summer. She just made it happen. Yeah. And I find something really freeing and kind of wonderful about that, right? This idea that, like, we can choose what we love and we can enjoy it in a communal way. And, you know, it might not be your cup of tea, but it's pretty undeniable. So obviously, Taylor Swift is the choice this year, but there are several other major stories in our Person of the Year package. Sam, can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. Um, Every year, we look not just at the Person of the Year, but at the people who have shaped the year that was. This is an amazing piece of reporting we have out today and and on newsstands if you want to pick it up and on time.com. We have not just this exclusive profile with Taylor Swift. She hasn't talked to anyone like this since 2019, I believe. We also have an incredible story about the person we're calling the CEO of the year, Sam Altman, who has led possibly the most influential company of the year. And I don't know what your Thanksgiving was like, but his was a lot busier. He was fired from his company, then rehired. And so we actually, over the course of reporting Altman's story, we had three conversations with him in November about this experience, about the year. And I think we have the most complete reporting on what happened at that company, which even those who are new to the AI story, became fascinated with uh, very quickly in the last few weeks. Right. And speaking of Sam Altman, tune in to Person of the Week this week to hear some of that interview. Who are you? (laughs) Uh, We have an interview with Lionel Messi, who is, depending on who you ask, the greatest soccer player of all time. He is our athlete of the year. And then we have a really incredible photo essay taken by a photographer, Moises Salmon, who looks at the people who rose up after the October 7th Hamas massacre in Israel to step in for where the state had let people down and created the civil society that's just been incredibly vibrant and successful. And then similarly, people working in Gaza, you know, where there is no active state and where there is an ongoing war have been able to step up and support each other and and tell those stories. So it's a really exciting collection of journalism and I think overall a package that shows well what happened in 2023. 
Wow. Well, Sam and Kelly, thank you both so much for coming on the show, especially when I know you have so much else on your plate right now as we get ready to release our person of the year issues. It's so great to hear about sort of what goes into making this choice and also how this choice fits into the broader history of power and influence that time has been chronicling for almost 100 years. So thanks so much, Sam and Kelly. I really appreciate it. I hope you all enjoyed this peek behind the scenes at Person of the Year. Please be sure to visit Time.com to check out our Taylor Swift cover story. And for all of Time's year-end coverage, if you're new to the show, make sure to check out all of our past episodes of Person of the Week. I've had some incredible conversations this year with the people who are shaping our world, and I know you'll want to hear them. So visit Time.com slash Person of the Week to catch up on what we've been talking about. And email me at Person of the Week at Time.com and let me know what you want to hear next. <laughs>